0: Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast.
1: This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their
2: stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My My Ship Ship Story. Story. (laughs) That was terrible. (laughs) Welcome aboard, everybody. My name is Brad. I'm here, as usual, with uh, Scott and Eric. Eric, what's going on? Hey, so
1: now that that we've gone live on YouTube, I watched, my episode came up when I logged in to YouTube, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll watch it just to see what it's like. Well, a couple of weird things. One, my face was way too big on the screen. And I was like, oh, it, it might be a little close up. But surprisingly, you know, remember when we first started how I said I hated my voice and I thought I sounded terrible and I, I didn't really like it listening to myself. I think over the past year, I, I've just gotten used to it. So now when I watched it back, I was like, "Ah, oh, that wasn't too bad. That that was That was all right. It wasn't you know, wasn't terrible. Although it's weird to start the episode with me off screen talking on the phone about real estate, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of like the start of the episode. But um, all good. All good. I really it, it was it
2: was fun to see it. All right. Well, let's get to our guest because I think we're going to have a really good guest today. Um, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Dave Goodman. Welcome, Dave. Hi, guys.
3: Thanks for having me on.
2: Glad Hi, to have Dave. You. Welcome. You bet. Hey, tell us a little bit about um, how you got started working. Well, first of all, tell us what you did on the ships, because this is going to be a, l- a little bit different. We've had a couple of entertainers on, but not quite what you did.
3: Well, I'm a stand-up comedian. And in the mid nineties, I was working in Las Vegas. I was a uh, part of a house show uh, called comedy cabaret. When that show closed, I really didn't have many options. Comedy clubs weren't doing well. They were closing and because of the type of act I was doing in Vegas and having you know, great PR, I was getting booked on ships. And it was an interesting transition to go from Las Vegas to a cruise ship. And my first trip was uh, Princess in 1995. Prior to that, I had um, courted the idea. I was really young at the time. I courted the idea of doing some cruises as the opening act for another comedian named George Kirby who was a celebrity entertainer. Uh, they used to pay George like, Twenty twenty-five thousand dollars to appear for a wow. week on a cruise ship, and needed an opening act and uh, a connection in Las Vegas to try to make that happen. And it was a really interesting kind of a you know education. Then I wound up with an agent, that agent was booking me at um, at Princess, and then it became very political, and my career
1: princess was kind of blinded. okay wait a second before you go too far on princess i worked on princess short <laughs> side oh no
0: it's all good yeah. you know it had to Here do everything the, with here's kind the, the one degree uh, of slash
3: agent somewhere. and nothing to do right. with princess princess uh, okay. was completely ethical the agent was less than ethical he uh, was getting long? me booked but using my dates to book his other acts so uh, he would yes. take the dates from princess he would right. tell princess oh dave is sick he can't make it but i have a magician who could do the, the gig." And he would send the magician out at the very last minute. Wow. And at one point in time, they called and said to me, hey, we hope you're doing okay. And I said, I'm doing fine. And they said, well, we heard you were in the hospital. I said, no, I wasn't in the hospital. And they said, well, your agent Chuck told us you were in the hospital and that you had to cancel. And I go, I didn't even know I was booked. And it, wow. that's how it kind of came out that he was using my dates to book other acts. I um, apologize, it, I apologize was,
0: to Chuck tomorrow night at 8 o'clock.
3: <laughs> it's just so, a crazy world it could be for entertainers and cruise lines it's kind of yeah. tough
1: sometimes so who was, who was the, the contact at Princess Cruises do you remember did you ever talk to anybody at Princess directly
3: you know it was kind of interesting um, Mr. Hall had seen me in <laughs> Martin Vegas, Hall and Martin Knew this guy who was an agent, I won't mention his name, yeah. who had approached me about being his client. And I said, you know, I need an agent right now. And I, I did get a phone call from Princess. And maybe this guy would be a really good guy to broker deals. I don't have to be in the middle. So I put him together with Martin Hall. And I said, Mr. Hall saw me in Las Vegas. This should be a really easy sell. And he sent me a note, actually a fax. This is a 95. He sent me a fax in <laughs> the fax said, oh, I had a great lunch with Martin Hall. I'm really excited. I got you a bunch of dates to work for Princess and uh, it's going to work out great. And the next day I get a fax from Princess and it was... Um, from Martin Hall, who said, it was nice to meet this gentleman who's representing you. I never met him before. (laughs) And everything that the agent had represented the day before turned out to be 100% inaccurate and a lie. And it was typical. The cruise line, it also happened to me when I worked at Renaissance Cruise Lines, I had another agent who was misrepresenting Renaissance and uh, contracts and being very deceitful. And actually didn't tell a lot of the acts that she was working with she was actually taking the money the cruise lines were paying the comedians put it in her account and then send a wire to the comedian's account for a lot less money telling them that it came directly from the cruise line and then she would say don't forget you have to send me your 15 percent
1: commission oh she's on top of that oh shady holy cow that
2: is shady that's so smart
1: <laughs> so <laughs>
3: the
2: kidding, to do these kidding, to kidding, kidding. Yeah, it's, it's We're taking crazy. notes. We're taking notes.
1: So for the, <laughs> if anybody listening out there knows what Martin Hall is, I would love to get him on here. Martin Hall is a character, he is just nuts. I worked very closely with him at Princess, uh with the cruise director schedules when eventually he became the vice president of entertainment at Princess.
2: Was this after he uh did um let's make a deal? Was that that wasn't Martin Hall, wasn't it? Was it that was Monty Hall? That was Monty Hall. Monty Hall. Monty oh, Monty Hall. Hall. Monty Hall. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, right. Right. Wait, but wait. so you work for Renaissance uh, at about the same time that I work for Renaissance. Of course, everybody kind of worked at the same time because they were only, <laughs> they were only uh, alive for uh, for a few years. Uh, well, so. I came
3: to the table, I guess. For Renaissance, I started working for Renaissance in two thousand. My dad had passed away. I was in a uh, weird uh, financial position where I owed a lot of money to the IRS, and I got an offer uh, from an agent in New York who I did not know. She said, do you want to go work from uh, Barcelona, Spain to Lisbon, Portugal, five-day runs, and five five days to Lisbon, Lisbon back to Barcelona, five days, uh, for a month. And the money was great. It was going to help me pay off this debt to the IRS. I said, sure, I'll take it. And I, on the last night, I was broken to tears. I had the best month ever. Uh, The people were great. The cruise director was amazing. It was an experience at a cruise line. And by this time, I'd worked for four or five other cruise lines. So I never had a cruise line where the the cruise director met me at the gangway, took my luggage and carried it to my cabin. That was mind-blowing. I couldn't believe that. It was Craig Cusinelli, who I'm still in touch with. He lives in Florida. Do you still do some gigs on ships? I don't. What happened was I met my wife. And I met my wife on New Year's Eve uh, on a Carnival cruise line. Uh, Carnival had hired me to come perform for them. They said, because it's uh, Y2K, the Millennium Cruise, we'll pay for anybody to go with you. And I wasn't dating anyone. I didn't have a girlfriend and I wasn't married. So I called my girlfriend, Julie, who I knew from high school. said, Julie, do you want to go? And she flew from Paris and they paid for her to fly from Paris to Alcapulco. She went on the cruise with me. We woke up on January 1st. And this uh, redhead at the bar started talking to me. And one thing led to another and I went back to the table and my friend Julie said, what's wrong with you? That girl was really into you. You, you, you Go find her, talk to her. So I met my wife January 1st. We're dating the whole time I was working in Europe, traveling that whole first year we were together. Um, But I realized to have a long successful marriage, I could not be gone 300 days a year. So by 2004, I was doing some gigs again here and there for Carnival. And I had a really unfortunate experience where my cabin had been broken into. In the cabin was a stranger who had access because he had a room key from a previous trip. And when I kind of created a commotion to say, there's somebody in my cabin, this is a little scary, we're security, things kind of unfold in a really ugly way. And they told me, oh, this is the comedian who's normally here, he has a key uh, from last week. So he got into the cabin, he was waiting to tell you, you should pack up your stuff and move to another cab. And the whole thing made me uncomfortable. And I said, this is outrageous. and they said look just move and shut up and i said look i
0: can't be spoken to that way
3: and the, the, ship the was cruise sailing line was telling this this was a carnival cruise line this was the assistant cruiser actor
0: now now i have to back up a second so so how did this unfold like what was the very beginning of this like how did a did a passenger come on as a cruise again or a previous cruise that kept the key to your room? He's a,
1: no, he was a comedian. The ship came back into Long Beach. I live in Long Beach. So my wife came and
3: picked me up. Okay. And I was going to go back out that afternoon on another cruise. They were taking on new passengers. So at 3.30, my wife dropped me off and this ship was sailing at 4. So this was happening in a very short window where I had to make a decision. Am I going to be abused in this situation and be told that this guy's got access to my cabin and that's okay? Lack of security, I felt very violated. So I said to myself, I can't exactly accept the situation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. And they wouldn't give me my passport because they were about to pull in the gangway.
1: Those and damn pursers. <laughs> the
3: pursers were like on the phone yeah, trying to get somebody yeah. down. To get... I said, look, no, my decision is made. The door is open. I'll jump through the door into the water. I don't care. You'll be filling out paperwork for the next 12 hours. And they believed me. So they gave me my passport. My wife picked me up and I never went on another cruise ship. I couldn't believe
2: wow.
3: how disrespectful. The cruise director called me Uh, He spoke down to me. And honestly, the night before when I performed on the ship, it was the first time in a 10-year career that a cruise director ever had to school me on something I had done on stage. I had never been ridiculed or spoken to about ever telling a joke. And this cruise director pulled me aside and told me I told a very inappropriate joke.
1: Well, do you remember? Joke? Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> what was the joke?
3: I do remember the joke vividly. And it shocked me because he thought that I was Italian and that I was being anti-Semitic. And the joke is that I married a fantastic girl. My wife is a Jewish Indian. Her name is Bargain Hunter. And I've been doing that joke for 28, 29 <laughs> years. So he's now ridiculing me that it's the holidays There are a lot of Jews that are traveling and I'm offending Jews with that joke. And I've been doing stand-up since 1988. And I never once was ridiculed or taken aside to be told what to say or not to say. Suddenly here's this guy from Canada telling me what American audiences would enjoy or be offended by. And I felt offended by it. So that coupled with the guy being in my cabin and being told to shut up and move into another cabin, I said, I'm leaving. And I literally jumped off the ship. My wife was at the, um, port in 10 minutes. That's how close we live to the Long Beach port for Carnival. And um, we were driving home. My phone rang. It was the cruise director. I said to him, look, you know, the night before you had a lot to say to me about my act and you were ridiculing me and you were insinuating that I was being offensive because I wasn't Jewish. Well, I am Jewish. And I really offended the way that you handled the situation. And you need some time to think about that. You're now calling and begging me to come back because you're sailing on Christmas Eve without a headliner. And I find that to be really embarrassing for you after what you did to me last night. So I'm going to enjoy this moment. You have a great day. It turned out he was a dancer on the ship who Carnival recruited to become a cruise director because Carnival no longer wanted to be cruise director's good salary. They didn't oh, want them geez. getting kickbacks from ports. Oh, so wow. that all these old school guys that had been with Carnival for 20 years were fired. And now they're bringing in these 28 year old dancers or people from Shorex um, that were selling, you know, and suddenly they're the cruise directors and their etiquette wasn't really sophisticated and they needed a lot of. Education as to how to handle situations when it came to dynamics of being in
0: groups. Uh, let's uh, let's actually um, skip gears here and go into like in one of your shows. Has anything ever wild happen in the middle of one of your shows? Like you know, passed out or you know, I think uh, we had one story where somebody died in the middle of an act.
3: Wow, but, unfortunately, but I'm just... I'm a victim of that experience as well. That happened to me wow. at a country club in Wisconsin. A guy was laughing so hard he went to cardiac arrest. You know, he passed away while he was still at the country club. And-
1: okay, this is going to sound terrible, but do you remember that joke? <laughs>
3: I don't, I, I just remember the whole dynamic of the night. I, I think it may have been a series of events, not just one show, but thanks for asking. I appreciate
0: that. Uh, you know, it I. What about on the, on a ship? Like uh, when you're performing on the ships and stuff. Uh, yeah. There's, there've
3: been a few things that have happened on ships that have been really kind of freaky to be honest with you. This is Dave Goodman. And this is my ship story. I was uh, working for Renaissance cruise lines in 2000 and we just left Piraeus, Greece. And there was a storm that had developed and it was my night to perform. So in the middle of my show, the captain had to literally come on board and make an emergency announcement to not open up any of the doors or any of the balconies because the wind would have caused to create suction effect. So they were literally afraid somebody had sucked out of a cabin. So they had to do this in the middle of my show. And of course my microphone goes dead and the captain is now, this is your speaking, We have an emergency. And you know, very thick Italian accent. I won't even try to fake an imitation or mock it. But he finished and said, this is your captain Jean-Mario Arrivederci. And that was the end of the announcement. Now my microphone becomes live. And it was an awkward moment. The audience was a little concerned. And I said, that was your captain. Uh, how about giving him a big round of applause? He's looking out for everybody's safety. And by the way, his name really isn't John Mario. His name is Bernie Greenberg and he's from Brooklyn. But <laughs> Renaissance pays him an extra two grand to throw on the Italian accent so that you have a great vacation. And uh, the next day I got in trouble with him. He had a great laugh at my expense. He called me to the bridge. He was ridiculing me. He thought, you think it's funny to make you know fun of the master of the vessel? And I was really, I thought, I'm packing my bags. I'm going home. And he had all the staff on the bridge, hiding, laughing at me because they could see the panic in my face. <laughs> but, you know, the best and probably the most peculiar thing that ever happened in the middle of the show was also in Renaissance Cruise Lines. So we were leaving uh, Italy. It was my night to do the shows, heading into Croatia. Uh, Dubrovnik is where we were headed. And in the middle of my show, I hear a woman's voice yell out, where in New York are you from? And the audience just starts laughing at the nature of this really over-exaggerated New York accent. And I say, rather than telling you where I'm from, let me ask, where are you from? And she said, well, I'm from Belmore. And I said, well, I happen to be from Belmore. What street did you live on? And she said, I lived on Judith Drive. And I'm laughing. I said, I know Judith Drive very well. I know everybody on that block. What's your last name? And the audience is going crazy. They don't know that this is impromptu. They really think it's like part of the show. And she says, my last name is Gerstman. I take a minute and wait for the audience to calm down. And I say, how are Andrew and Michael doing? And her husband now stands up and says, how the fuck do you know my children? (laughs) (laughs) And the audience is going crazy, and I said, you don't remember me? You used to drive me around town in your red Lincoln Continental with a white vinyl top. And he stands up again, he goes, how the fuck did you know I had a red Lincoln with a white vinyl top? I said, I must have <laughs> eaten red and green peppers in your kitchen a hundred different times, and you don't remember me? And they're literally, the crowd's going crazy. And it was going to be an awkward moment because they obviously did not remember me. So I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, that's my Creskin portion of the show, and let's move on with the rest of the evening." Well, I finished <laughs> the show that night, and two hours after I finished the show, the the crew director, the actually the crew purser, Dougie uh, Pinkerton, knocked on my door and he goes, "You're never going to believe this, but the Gerstmans do remember you now, and they want to have a drink with you." A light bulb went off, and suddenly they remembered who I was. But that was one of the strangest things that's ever happened.
0: That is wow! It's got to be mind blowing.
3: It was a lot of fun. I've had a lot of stuff like that happen over the years. A lot of, I once caught a guy smoking a cigarette on deck at Renaissance, which was non-smoking. I said, well, you better put that out. They're going to make you walk the plank. He responded, and the, the New York accent came out. He said, you sound like you're from my neighborhood. And he said, well, I'm from Belmore. And I said, oh, I'm from Belmore. He goes, I live on Belmore Avenue. He said, my buddy Larry just moved back into his mom and dad's house. He lives on Belmore Avenue. He said, you got to be kidding me, not Larry Estrin. And it was Larry Estrin, my buddy that I grew up with, they were his next-door neighbors who were on the cruise, <laughs> and it was weird because Renaissance, I guess, did a lot of heavy promotions in the New York area. Yes, and it drew a lot of people from Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island
2: on the cruise. A lot the, of New Yorkers. Yorkers, a lot of New Yorkers. So, is the New York accent that different from town
1: to town? You know, close to close to the city.
3: It kind of is because most everybody started out in Brooklyn. Well, and then they Bel- would move Bel- on from and there.
0: Brooklyn are kind of the same. A, Brooklyn's a little bit more in your face, but, but where Here's is people, the country? Some people can tell you what street Belmore. you came
3: from, depending on your accent. <laughs> I'm not that good. I once had a conversation with another comedian getting into a taxi in Anchorage, Alaska. And I said to him, you know, with all the traveling, I've gotten to be good at picking out where people are from because of their accents. And he says, that's ridiculous. And the cab driver turned around and said, where are you guys going? And I said to him, well, let me ask before we tell you where we're going, where in Connecticut are you from? And the guy goes, I'm from Mystic, Connecticut. How did you know that? And I turn to the other community and I go, I can tell from his accent. And it, it, it's really kind of a dead giveaway. People from the Midwest, uh, Chicago accent is very different than a Minneapolis accent. Yeah, yeah, And there are little nuances and you pick up on it eventually with as much traveling as I've done.
1: But, you know, you can pick up all these accents the more you listen to them. So I can pick out a Manchester accent in the uk because there's something very specific that they do and it's that they hang their g's they pronounce their g very different from any other english accent and so it's a. Hey, dead I think this away. is a
2: perfect
0: time for eric to try an english accent
1: uh no i can't do it i can't do it like also, if they were to say like looking they will say looking and you hear the g where most people don't pronounce it looking yeah but not quite exaggerated like that but you can definitely hear it and it's really weird because you 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 pick up one person you hear something weird in their accent and then you hear it again in somebody else and all of a sudden you can then realize that it's just that accent for for that area until they move (laughs) uh, until they move
0: down to oklahoma and
2: and (laughs) the g completely goes away and and we just looking there's a
0: lot
1: of there's a lot of vowels
3: missing in Oklahoma.
2: (laughs) we're gonna move on real quick but um i know i work i i consciously worked hard to change my to lose my accent little things that i would say like warsh like all my family says warsh you're washing your clothes. Anyway, it's I actually it's funny, both Brad, Brad
0: and I are from dis- different parts of Oklahoma and it's so funny that like when we're, like, and actually there's another guy, Brian, that worked on cruise ships. Like we worked so hard to get rid of the Oklahoma accent <laughs> and, and I, 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 I took it the other way on the cruise ships. I loved other accents and languages and nationalities. So I, uh, um, you know, you'll hear it's on a number of other um, stories that we've done, but I love to pick up accents and, and try to talk English, you know, you know, one week on the cruise ship and, you know, and, and play around with the accents and stuff there. And then when I got back, nobody had any idea where I was from. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think
0: that's
3: one of the brilliant parts of the experience of being on ships is that exposure to people from other
2: cultures, from other countries, from other points of view. Um, hey, I was going to ask you, uh, did you ever, uh, did you ever almost miss a ship anywhere?
3: No, but ultra paranoid about that. My first cruise. On Princess 95, I refused to get off the ship in the Caribbean because of it. I didn't want to be that sucker who got left behind. (laughs) And I didn't want to be that kind of I'm not going. I'm not going. I got to be honest with you. I saw some really unceremonious departures at Renaissance. There was an assistant cruise director that worked with Craig Cusinelli, who had a total meltdown. She was sleeping with one of the Paramount singers. Young girl, very attractive. The Paramount singer broke into the bridge, got on the PA for the entire ship, And he starts screaming, That's right, she's fucking me and she's fucking the captain.
1: Oh my God. It
3: was, (laughs) and Craig Cousinelli couldn't run fast enough to get to the bridge. And of course, they had to leave him on the
0: dock.
1: Wow.
3: Was re- and then she eventually started working at Carnival Cruise Lines.
0: Well, did she? Like wait a I mean, minute. Nope. So, so they canned him. That they canned her at the same time. For no, they
3: felt that she was a victim, um, and I guess her contract was coming up shortly, so they let her kind of finish out. She break never it it fire her. She's sleeping the with
1: the Cap- Yeah, but she's, she's sleeping yeah. with the captain. They're not going to fire her.
3: <laughs> um, I will tell you the captain's name. You can end this out. It was oh. they called him Captain Crunch because he cracked a brand new buoy at Tahiti, the first day it was available.
0: Hey, I, I've heard of, uh, he didn't. No, so, no,
1: I, I, so uh, uh, there was a Captain Crunch at Royal too. That was Captain Richard Erickson. Miegel.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Richard yeah, Meikle was his name. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think there's the various Captain Crunches out there.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. anytime, you hit, anytime you hit a, a dock, you're Captain
1: Crunch.
0: Yeah. They all yeah. hit or ran into something.
3: Well, you know, I worked with the infamous, and I guess Brad probably missed this window. Wow, this is really crazy. I worked with Francesco Scatino. Oh, did you? I was on the ship. He approached me before I ever did a show. Was he that said, You're on, a comedian?
1: The, on Costa? No, this was a renaissance. Oh, he worked at Renaissance before
3: Costa. he was at
2: renaissance?
3: Renaissance. As a matter of fact, I will find, it's in that closet behind me, uh, I will find uh, the R5 paper where he's listed as a safety captain. And he approached me before I ever did a show. I didn't know who he really was.
2: I didn't know how he was no furious that I was. Who is he? He was, captain of was the, the captain Concordia. on the Concordia. At, Concordia. Oh, oh, right. Balls.
3: So he um, they used to give us titles. I don't know if you know this, Brad. Uh, the comedians were given a title of supernumerary.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I was a great person. With murdering
3: and I never really tested it because I wasn't that kind of person. But um, I got yelled at by this engineer because I was using the elevator after having been in the crew bar. So he thought I was a crew member he got in my face. He was really nasty. And Francesco Scatino kind of got in the middle of it. I said to him, I'm a supernumerary. And the guy over shit his pants because I didn't want to say I'm a comedian. So I just <laughs> read what was on the card, which is supernumerary. So he almost shit his pants and Francesco Scatino started to question me if I was going to tell his favorite jokes if he comes to the show. I'm like, dude, I don't even know who you are. What do you mean <laughs> tell your favorite jokes? He was so <laughs> peculiar And I knew this because one of the officers told me that they had a game that on embarkation, when they had a lineup, they would speak in Italian and rate the women. And they would say, oh, I'm gonna bang this one. I'm gonna bang that one. And this is a true story. And I could give you names of people to contact to follow up on this. We had left the middle of the night, seven short, one long goes off twice. I'm in the crew bar freak out. Everybody bolts. They go immediately. They know exactly what they're doing. Like professionals. It was really impressive. It goes off a second time. I run to my cabin. I'm grabbing. I don't know what, I don't even know where my muster station is. I never did a boat drill my entire life. So now it's on to me. It's been 10 minutes. No Follow-up message. We haven't changed gears. The momentum of the ship hasn't changed. We definitely haven't hit anything because there's been no impact. I'm going to take a minute. Something's not right. I sat down on the bed with my jewelry, cigarettes, (laughs) everything I thought I'd need in the lifeboat. (laughs) And um, they make an announcement, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize. It was a false alarm. Everybody goes back to what they were doing. The crew bar is lively again. Nobody stole the cash drawer from the crew bar. Everybody started to drink heavily. It was quite an experience. The next day, Marius Alafrakis, who was the chief engineer, was quitting. And I was in shock. And I said, Marius, what's going on? He said, they're blaming last night's seven short, one long going off on me. It's in the ship's log. I can lose my Siemens card and this could affect my livelihood. So I said, well, what really happened? He said, Francesco was banging his girlfriend on the bridge. She hit the button. He went to go turn it off. She went to go hit the button. That's why it went off twice.
1: <laughs> oh man!
3: <laughs> and he didn't want to take blame for it in the ship's log, so they blamed it on Marius. Marius literally quit rather than take that abuse oh, and have that possibility. Wow! So I knew this guy, you know, was a character from the get go, and yeah. I kept my distance. I didn't care for him, honestly. Most of the officers at Renaissance were very nice to me, but never really got close with me. Man, was, that's really,
0: really crazy. That's those are two. Those are great stories, right there.
3: That's why I wrote the book, Confessions of a Cruise Ship Comedian. I did 10 years working on ships. Oh, you have a book? I have a book called Confessions of a Cruise Ship Comedian. It's on Amazon. So it's on the Amazon bestseller list. I, you know, At one point in time, I was number 487,335. <laughs> the book's great. You know, It talks about me meeting my wife, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines. I'm incredibly thankful to Carnival that I met my wife. We've been together for uh, 21 years. We've been married very happily for over
0: 17 years now. What uh, uh, What Carnival ship were you on? It was the old holiday before they jumped it. Were you on there when they went to Jamaica? The reason why, the reason why, just a long story short, there was a story about the holiday that was in Jamaica tied in with us. It was on a Thursday uh, at the same deal where a family had um, stumbled onto a marijuana patch trying to hike to the to the town or whatever you know they all shot got shot and killed like the whole family got uh, shot and killed and they closed down the port and <laughs> way to bring the room what? down why <laughs> 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 good job why Scott. Okay, the, shit, shit, okay let's, let's, let's get, back to, the,
3: let's get back to the
1: let's get back to the comedian so we can I'll, get the room back I'll, up again i'll chop all, all that, that out. Out. let me
3: turn my stand <laughs> up all here's, here's out. a great one thank cusinelli Had the unfortunate task in Portugal of having to pack up a singer who missed the ship. She was a lot of trouble the few days that she'd been on the ship. And Craig really had his hands full and he knew it. And she had like a six-month contract, so he was not happy. She missed the ship in Portugal. I guess somebody from the gate called to say, oh, your your lounge singer's out here. She's on her way. But Craig told the captain, get out of here, get out of here. (laughs) And they literally, like, we could see her crying. That she missed her like her head in the hands and Craig's on, on the deck waiting. <laughs> it just in all of his glory. Then that night I saw him in the crew bar and I spent the majority of my crew time in the crew bar at Renaissance, honestly, because I was a smoker and it was a non-smoking cruise line. So I could smoke in the crew bar. So I bring a pillow down there. And I was a supernumerary, so nobody ever told me to leave. I could do whatever I wanted. As a matter of fact, at three in the morning, when the casino crew would get off, they wouldn't feed them. So they would have nothing to eat. And I would give the guys from room service 20 bucks to come bring like 20 sandwiches down to the crew bar for the casino crew and tell them to say they brought it to my cab. And then we eventually got caught and I, I took a bullet for everybody on that because I thought it was unfair with the cruise lines not to feed them at three in the morning. So Craig comes in and he's distraught and you could just tell like maybe I shouldn't even say anything to him. Maybe this thing with firing the singer and taking off was not a good thing. But I had to do it because Craig was such a good friend. I walked over, Craig, what's the matter? He goes, David, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to go de I had to put 18 sex toys away in her luggage. I didn't have any rubber gloves. I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I had to pick it up using toilet paper. I don't think that was very, and he went to this lengthy discourse about how disgusting it was to have to touch her dirty clothes. And all of a sudden, here he was thinking it wasn't such a good idea to fire her. <laughs>
0: oh my God! Are is you grabbing? A, are you grabbing a pen in the paper? And like this is going to be in tomorrow's act?
3: <laughs> there are certain things that you just couldn't talk about on stage. Oh, I will share this with you, which is another in-show moment that happened at Renaissance as well. And one night at Renaissance, there's a guy in the front row sitting on the edge of his seat, and every time I, I tell a did. joke, he wants to be part of the act. So I don't give him any credibility for about 45 minutes, and I only have a couple of minutes before I have to say good night. So I finally stopped the show and I say, sir, you have been wanting to be a part of the show the entire evening. I could tell. Let me ask, what is your name? And he very proudly says, Seymour Super. And I said, not the cheap son of a bitch from Long Island. <laughs> and he and his wife lost it. He was the father of a comedian named Glenn Super, who was really popular on Regis and Kathy Lee, on Late Night with David Letterman. And he would talk about his his chief father, Seymour Super. It, it was my buddy's dad and mom. And we spent a week together cruising. And it was so much fun. And another one just popped in my mind, Brad. This is really weird. I um, meet this couple after the show. They're talking to me. And they literally said, oh, you're from Belmore. We think we know somebody that you know. And I said, who's that? And they said, Anita Bach. We know Anita very well. We were here in Egypt with Anita like in 1984. And I almost fell to the ground. Earlier that morning, I called my mother from Egypt. And she was having lunch that day with Anita Bach. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Her son now lives here in Los Angeles. And when I got together with him, I said, do these people look familiar to you? Because your mom apparently was in Egypt with your her husband in 1984 after your dad died. So, you know, a lot of wild, small world stuff wow. like that did happen at Renaissance it was a lot of fun. This one dawns on me too now as we're talking. It turned out that um, a couple after the show saw me on deck and we're having a conversation. Uh, I don't remember what port we were in. And the woman said, you know, it's been bothering me since we saw the show that I know you from somewhere. Let me ask you, do you know Randy Hershler? And I said, yeah, her son Andrew is one of my best friends. She said, oh, I used to drive you and Andrew to the beach club on Long Island. And I didn't necessarily remember this woman I said, "You're freaking me out." I'm going to go get a cell phone, and we're going to call the Hershman. And from the mm-hmm. middle of the deck of the cruise ship, we called the Hershlers in New York City. They were living in Manhattan at the time. It was a very weird reuniting of their friendship because they hadn't spoken in years. But it also turned out that when we were kids growing up in New York, we never really knew what he did for a living. And we always kind of thought maybe he was in the mafia because we lived in that kind of a neighborhood. And when I was on the cruise ship with them, they said, did it ever dawn on you what he did for a living? And I can't remember his name now. And I said, well, you know, we always kind of thought maybe he had something to do with the mafia. But so they never wanted to be bothered for free tickets. So they never told us he worked for Billy Joel.
1: Oh, Billy Joel's
0: accountant. Wow! Yeah.
3: Wow. So, and that, again, was a renaissance. So those that rounds out. Those are all my renaissance weird coincidence stories.
0: <laughs> that's so, that's so wild. So you mentioned that you worked on Renaissance and then um, uh, um, Princess. Um, did you work for any other cruise lines? Earlier, you said a, a lot of different cruise lines. Is there any other lines that you worked on?
3: Dolphin cruise lines that was out of Cape Canaveral, which was a really rank amateur operation. It was, I couldn't get over how scary it was, to be honest.
1: They used to dock next to the Song of America. When I worked on Song of America, they used to uh, dock next to the Song of America in Cozumel. And one of the times it just hit the pier and Split. Oh, that's right. Remember, there was a huge
0: hole in the side of the ship, and they had to take all the passengers off. Right. So you draw down the end of our show. um, Tell us about kind of what you're doing now. I've been uh, COVID quarantined, as far as my career is concerned.
1: Do you have a favorite? Since you're a comedian, I had to ask. Do you have a favorite joke or something that you know that that you know was going to kill? Like you know, if you have if you have one or two favorite. ones. Take us away
3: with your favorite. mm. I will tell you this, is that I used to pride myself, and I guess I still do, on the fact that I could do an hour in front of an audience and not say a dirty word and not tell a dirty joke. I could be suggestive, I could bring it to the edge, but I'm never going to offend anybody, you know, with four-letter words real throughout my act. So what I discovered years ago is how powerful those words become when you don't use them. Probably about 15 years ago, a friend of a mutual friend who was very, very close with Buddy Hackett remembered a joke on the anniversaries of Buddy's death, which I'm getting chills now that I'm thinking about it. Buddy died June 30th, so we're close.
1: Oh, okay. oh yeah, we're pretty close.
3: Every year guys get together, friends, and they call it a lunch to celebrate Buddy's life, but just an excuse to get together and hang out. So a joke was told that was a Buddy Hackett joke that had kind of been lost. Not a lot of people know the joke, which is the beauty of it, but it's really truly Buddy Hackett. And like I said, because they don't work dirty and it's really not a dirty joke, I'll just tell you. It's about a very wealthy woman who winds up in a Rolls Royce dealership. She's admiring how beautiful the cars are. She opens up the door, she's looking at the dashboard. She sees the leather seats. She reaches inside to feel how supple the leather seats are. And when she reaches out, she accidentally emits a big pocket of gas. She farted right there in the middle of the car dealership. And it was loud. And everybody heard it. And you couldn't deny it. And she was embarrassed. So after about 15 minutes, she collected herself. She got her. you know, composure back and she walked over to the salesman and she said to the salesman, excuse me, but can I ask you a question? And the salesman said, sure, ask me anything you like. And the woman says, how much does a car like that cost? And the salesman said, well, lady, if you farted when you touched the leather, you were going to shit when you hear the price. <laughs> And I would tell that in context of having been friends with Buddy, it was kind of a weird time in my life. I was 26 years old, uh, 25 actually, I got a call to headline the show in Vegas. I thought I was just going to do it for a week and I stayed for three and a half years. And my circle of friends became Buddy Hackett and Don Rickles and people from, you know, Motown, the fifth dimension, very strange thing for a 25 year old kid. And it was a lot of fun. It was super exciting. And that was kind of like my big step into show business. They were people who I watched and admired growing up on television. To be in their company, I would literally sit there and go, "I can't believe." I'm just... My brother would wake me up. I'd be, I was a seven year old. He'd wake me up at midnight in New York back in the seventies. Growing up, the Tonight Show was on from eleven thirty till one o'clock in the morning. It was a ninety minute show,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and my brother would wake me up at midnight. He was four years older. He said to me, you gotta watch this comedian. He comes out, he calls people hockey pucks. He makes fun of them. They play bullfighter music. And he was having me at seven years of age watching Don Rickles. Yeah. And I became friends with Don Rickles and it was the most surreal experience to be friends with him. And then it was really heartbreaking. I I didn't call him the last 10 years before Don died. Um, I put on a tremendous amount of weight. I wound up ballooning up to 360 pounds. And I was really ashamed that I knew that if Don saw me, he was going to bust my balls. And yeah. <laughs> I didn't want him to feel bad for me, and I just didn't call him for 10 years. And I really neglected, uh, I really feel terrible that I neglected doing that now that he's gone.
2: Well, I, I think uh, our our time's probably up. We should be wrapping it up. But um, uh, that's- this is
3: better than seeing my therapist, by the way.
2: Well, that's really that's really why we why we started this podcast, and that's really something that we've discovered doing going through this. We've been doing this a year now. If you've worked on a ship, you come on here, and um, it's it's just you know we speak the same language we're doing the you know we have shared experiences and it's just great visiting with people that have worked on ships so that's kind of what we're about so so go listen to a podcast or two and you'll know what i'm talking about
3: <laughs> i definitely gonna do it now glad I didn't do it before. Yeah, now it's a different story
0: no, hey, no, you you were great. hey were real great, real quick before great. we leave tell everybody how to find your book
3: uh, it's available at amazon.com uh, confessions of a cruise ship comedian by dave goodman it's got five stars i could use every review
0: hey everybody go buy his book and see if We can bump him up to the top three hundred thousand. I appreciate that. We're going to try to get you. (laughs) you We really like a
2: commission show. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dave. We really appreciate you coming on, especially short notice. Thanks for coming in and jumping in and doing a great job. Thank you. Thanks for
3: having me. It really was. It turned out to be a great pleasure. I'm so sorry that I was dreading it earlier.
1: Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> that happens to be the experience with a lot of our guests. They get a little nervous at first. They're not sure what it's going to be like. And then they just sit down and we have a nice chat. And, it's, and then you it's look so down and fun. it's like
0: an hour and a half, an hour, two hours yeah, an later. Hour like and you're five, like, oh, like, like oh, wow. super fast. Yeah. And, and I, have to, I have to cut this down to like 40 minutes. Take be care. Thanks well. again. Right, right,
1: see you. Bye bye. <laughs> well, the stories kept coming and kept coming. So you should <laughs> he have. He was just getting warmed through. up. Yeah. He <laughs> was just getting ready to go. Yeah. So my little Vatican story. They refused to let me in. I was with Mary Giuliani. They're like, nope, you can't come in. I was wearing shorts and they would not let me in.
0: Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member, and if you have a story that you would like to tell, or if you'd like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's my ship story podcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!